Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Today's episode covers the storylines and scenes that take place inside Twin Peaks, the town, which was the entire universe for the original series, but now we have a lot of other stuff which we dealt with yesterday, and we'll deal with some more further shores of Twin Peaks reality tomorrow, but today it's Twin Peaks, the town. There's not as much going on here in terms of the breadth of it as there was in parts one and two, but here it's mostly to do with the Cooper investigation. We get a long, silent uh, scene of Jacoby spray-painting his golden shovels, and we don't yet know what they're for. This is a scene that feels much more in tune with parts one and two. It's interesting that he put it here instead of sliding it into that one for some reason. Maybe he just felt like we needed a meditative break from all of the other stuff going on with Cooper and everything to kind of like almost like a palate cleanser before moving on with the story or something. It's also interesting that Jacoby is wearing his red and blue glasses even under the gas mask or even under the breathing mask that he's wearing to keep from inhaling the fumes from the spray paint. He's always wearing those red and blue glasses, which isn't true in the original series. Uh, I think he does wear them more often in season two, but in season one, I think he just wears them that one, maybe one or two times. Now I want to go back and actually study it, but there are a ton of scenes where he isn't wearing them, especially earlier in the season. He doesn't come up with them until episode four. It's kind of interesting that they've become such a defining motif for him now. Elsewhere in Twin Peaks, we see Hawk, Andy, and Lucy looking through evidence Lucy reveals that she ate the chocolate bunny because she had some gas. It's just a ridiculous little uh, gag that a lot of people hate. I don't find it that hilarious. Uh, I don't find much of the Lucy stuff that hilarious, but I find it kind of charming in its way. It, it doesn't bother me too much. And of course, this episode has my favorite bit with Lucy and Andy, although it's another character who's the focus of that, which we'll get to eventually. When Frank Truman returns, uh, Hawk briefs him uh, about what's going on with the Laura and Cooper, well, reopening the Laura case because of Cooper, and they have all the evidence scattered over the table, including Laura's picture, and Bobby cries when he sees her portrait. And uh, that's his kind of first entry into this Cooper investigation storyline, now that, you know, Bobby Briggs is a deputy, as we see. He also says that Cooper was the last to see Major Briggs since Major Briggs died immediately afterwards, or disappeared. And that's kind of the first ominous hint we have within this storyline that something like went wrong with Cooper. I mean, you could deduce it from the fact that he disappeared. If you were only watching these scenes, that's kind of maybe when you start to think, okay, maybe there's something pernicious going on with this Cooper character. Of course, we're watching it in the context of the overall series, so we've already seen Mr. C. There's some interesting references in these scenes. They talk about the log lady's pitch gum, how she got banned from the sheriff's station because of her type of gum, as Lucy said. And that's kind of a reference back to episode 9, which Lynch directed and Harley Payton wrote, where Norma lectures the log lady about the pitch gum that she's leaving all over the diner and says, if you keep sticking it, if you don't put it in the ashtray, I'm not going to let you bring it in here or something like that. So you get the sense of her violating the social rules with her pitch gum. And that's, that's clearly a reference here. And it's interesting, too, because Chad immediately afterwards you know, jokes about the log being Pinocchio. And there's a Pinocchio reference, the only other one in Twin Peaks that I can think of, also in episode nine, where Albert makes a joke about doing an autopsy on Jacques Renault and finding a little wooden boy named Pinocchio, you know, saying that he's a whale, basically. So it almost makes me wonder if Lynch watched 
episode or Lynch and Frost watched episode nine before they wrote this one. At the Roadhouse, we see two bands, uh, Cactus Blossoms and Au Revoir Simone. And at this point, they're very clearly being used to close each episode, which makes it a little awkward that we see that performance in the middle since we know it's really just the end of an episode. They serve as nice punctuation. They're softer, more low-key than the Shadows song, which felt you know, very yearning, very Twin Peaksian in that first episode. And then there's some random scenes that don't add up to any larger storyline. And they usually have to do with like Lucy or Andy around the sheriff station. So for example, Lucy's freaked out by Truman on a cell phone. Andy tries to explain to her how cell phones work. And then Wally Brando makes his appearance. And I just love that moment. That's that's my favorite, probably my favorite scene in that episode. It still makes me laugh. I've seen it so many times and I still laugh out loud several times during the scene just because it's so arch and goofy but lovable as well. Lucy's pregnancy, it really comes back when we meet Wally Brando. At this point, I think we can treat it as a standalone scene. Uh, they treat it as just kind of a moment to spend with this family rather than an ongoing story since he's going to hit the road again. Many fans noticed the bizarre photo that Lucy has at her desk of her and Andy and I guess Wally is a little kid because he's small, even though he has Michael Sarah's face now. It's such a ridiculous looking photo. And somebody realized it's literally a production still of It's a Wonderful Life, where they just paste the actors' faces in the least convincing way possible across the different family members, which is hilarious. So that goes on a lighter note with the Sam and Tracy faces ripped off. There's just a lot of bizarre photoshop head things going on here this whole sustained sheriff station sequence around i would say the middle of part four it's really like a nexus of nostalgia fan service sort of a reunion tv show vibe i love it i mean people complained about there not being enough of this in the return but stuff like this it really does hit that sweet spot i mean they even have this very dramatic camera move when bobby comes back that serves no other purpose other than to just be like look, it's him. He's, he's older now. He's got gray hair. He's a, he's a deputy. And you know, it's just total fan service in my opinion, in, in the best sense possible. It's a bit like the roadhouse sequence at the end of part two, but it's much more extended. A glimpse into Twin Peaks as a nostalgic reunion show. And this is a more sustained immersion into that. And of course they play with this idea a lot. I mean, they play with it with Lucy being frightened by cell phones, like she's still kind of stuck in the past. And also this indication that there's almost two sheriff stations here. There's a modern one with all this high-tech equipment and all these characters we don't know and aren't familiar with. And then there's like the other half of the sheriff station that just looks exactly like it did 25 years ago. And everything's kind of old and the characters are all old and they're just going about their very esoteric investigations of like, well, we get a call from like local eccentric uh, log lady and she said to look into this old case about this guy who disappeared and we're just going to do that while you guys handle like the DUIs and the drug overdoses and the, the actual crime going on in the town. And the sheriff's like, yeah, that sounds good. That's like baking in the nostalgic reunion factor in a very self-conscious way right into the material itself. There's also just a feeling about these scenes, about the cinematography where it's got that digital sharpness, but also a warm glow to it. Everything, all the colors are kind of rich and deep. It feels, the way I would describe it, it's almost like a cool warmth where you're feeling the heat from something, but you're also feeling the cold surrounding you, like sitting in front of a fireplace. In comparison, I would make it's almost like one of those electronic sort of faux fireplaces, you know? Not, not to criticize it and say it's like fake or something, but 
there's just a different feel to the aesthetic because it's digital, I think, but also just the passage of time, the self-consciousness of recreating this, where it feels a bit like that. It's giving off this warmth. It's tapping into that longing for that old feeling, but also knowing that we can't quite go back to that. The Wally scene, I think, feels particularly like it's got that reunion vibe where we're checking in with characters and what have they been up to? And oh, here's this new character who we remember his roots in the old series, even though we haven't met him before and talking about all these things he's doing that sounds so ludicrous. Like I've heard people even speculate that Wally has actually never left Twin Peaks and he just rides around and tells people that he travels outside and makes up these stories and everybody just humors him. I don't know if I buy that, but it definitely does feel like... Uh, these aren't things we're ever meant to see. We can only hear about these types of stories of his great travels. They exist only to be told in this manner. That feels like something you would see on a reunion. The drugs plot line, which is kind of scattered over several different characters' uh, stories. There's not like one storyline that really coalesces with that. But we do learn that a kid overdosed in the school, just passed out on his desk and never woke up when the alarm went off. And also the sheriff asks Bobby about these Chinese designer drugs that are coming down from Canada. And Bobby indicates that he has some surveillance scattered throughout the woods, trying to check out and see, uh, you know, what's going on with the drug trafficking there. So we do get a taste of that. And that's very much a callback to the original series, particularly, well, actually both seasons, because season two, we have the cocaine with Dead Dog Farm and all that. Drugs are a through line in all of Twin Peaks for whatever reason. Uh, Lynch, who supposedly is not very into drugs, just seems to have a fascination with them as a crime motif. It's not just a frost thing because they're in blue velvet as well, you know. It seemed very perfunctory for the most part, although there's some definite uh, moments where they're not just an item to be bartered, but something that affects the character's experiences. Besides the drugs in Twin Peaks story, there are other storylines, quite a few actually, that we can say make a comeback in part four, stories from the original series. Bobby's new job, the last time we heard that storyline was back in episode 27 when he was working at the Great Northern. It doesn't really come back because this is a whole different job that he's had for presumably many years, but it's kind of funny to think of him putting on that suit and stepping out and being like, yeah, I'm going to be a businessman, and now this is sort of what he's, the direction he's gone in instead. Uh, the Log Lady's Gum. It's just funny to think of that as a recurring storyline. Didn't even occur to me at first. I've actually gone back and added in some of these uh, mentions after publishing this, after making this podcast public. I remembered, oh yeah, I got to add these storylines in. So I, I think we can fold that uh, essential plot line into the Cooper investigation for the moment. One of the funnier little sub-threads to treat as its own story when I was discussing the original series, like, oh, we're going to see the Log Lady's Gum again, and here it is, 25 years later, it comes back up. A more important storyline that definitely uh, comes back in this episode, although, again, it's sort of hinted that this is just a reference back and not like a ongoing continuation uh, is Laura's relationship to Bobby, how he weeps when he sees her photo. And uh, I guess, you know, the last time we saw their relationship would be Firewalk with me. And uh, again, this isn't really brought into the Cooper investigation. It's spurred by that, but it stands outside of it in a way and reminds us of that dynamic of the old show. And then finally, another returning storyline would be the Briggs family life, which we last saw in The Missing Pieces. And in this case, they ask Bobby about his father's death and everything. So we find out what happened to that family shortly after the season two finale. And at this point, it's that's very much folded into the Cooper investigation storyline. The importance is 
that the major seems to have been involved somehow and had some thoughts perhaps about Cooper um, before he disappeared. Thanks for listening. That's it for today's episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also support this podcast on patreon.com slash lostinthemovies. Tomorrow we will deal with the Twin Peaks mythology in this episode, first going scene by scene through those scenes that take place in what we could call the spirit world, which is a pretty big presence in this episode given the opening of part three. And then we're going to delve into lodge lore where we kind of ask the question, okay, so we've described what those things are, had some thoughts on them, but what do they mean? What's their relation to the whole? And kind of explore some of those subjects without getting too spoilery. <laughs>